Hello everyone, and welcome to COM 226 week 11. Today I'll be talking to you about parasocial interaction. There's PowerPoint slides that go along with this audio. They'll be on the Moodle page under week 11. There should be a PDF just like every other week that we've had this class. Now, before I explain parasocial interaction, I want you to think of your favorite character from your favorite TV show, or your favorite athlete or YouTuber. Got them in your head? Okay, now, pretend that a news story came out today that reports that that person or character was retiring or being killed off. How would you react? If you're a sports fan, you don't even really have to imagine it right now. But anyway, would you go back and rewatch old videos of that person to remind you of the good times? Would you feel sad, um, like you were losing a friend? That feeling right there, that's parasocial interaction. A parasocial interaction is simply a perceived face-to-face -face relationship between a spectator or a viewer and a media persona. And a media persona is simply any person that we experience through media. So that would include podcast hosts, hi, YouTube people, or Instagram celebrities. Or, as was around back in the 1950s when this theory was first developed, TV quiz or talk show hosts. Now, the thing with this perceived face-to-face -face relationship is, however, just that, it's perceived. It's obviously not a real relationship because there isn't reciprocity, or that give and take. So Donald Horton and Richard Wall first came up with this theory in their article called Mass Communication and Parasocial Interaction. And that term media persona, their formal definition was, quote, the typical and indigenous figure of the social scene presented by radio and television. And like I said, this is just any person, real or fictional, that we experience through media. Now, the reason they really get into this idea of parasocial interaction is because of the rise of quiz shows. Uh, like I said, this came out in 1956, which is when quiz shows were at their height, um, prior to this huge scandal where it was uncovered that one quiz show was completely staged. All of the contestants were actually, um, some were actors, and the rest, they staged them completely to decide who was going to win. Regardless, it was the hosts in particular that made Horton and Wall come up with the term, quote, media persona, which made sense since they weren't fictional, but not really real. And their critique of these hosts or persona was that above all else, they were supposed to offer a continuing relationship, be it weekly, daily, or whatever. Think of talk show hosts now. Right? We developed this relationship with them, with some of them, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel. These guys are on a daily basis. Others, like John Oliver, would be on a weekly basis. Now, Horton and Wall, obviously those guys weren't around in the 50s, so for their main analysis, they used Steve Allen. He created and was the first host of The Tonight Show. Horton and Wall talk about him a bunch in their article about the different types of techniques he uses to make people feel like he's their friend, like he's in their living room with them. Now, as I read this full quote in a minute, 
Think about two things. First, that this came out over 60 years ago. And second, think about how your favorite YouTubers or Instagram celebrities, um, and think about if they use similar types of techniques to make you feel closer to them. All right, here's the quote. The persona may try to step out of the particular format of his show and literally blend with the audience. Most usually, the persona leaves the stage and mingles with the studio audience in a question and answer exchange. In some few cases, and particularly on the Steve Allen show, this device has been carried a step further. Thus, Allen has managed to blend even with the home audience by the maneuver of training a television camera on the street outside the studio, and in effect, suspending his own show and converting all the world outside into a stage. Alan, his supporting cast, and the audience, both at home and in the studio, watch together what transpires on the street. The persona and his spectators symbolically united as one big audience. In this way, Alan erases for the moment the line which separates persona and spectator. So generally, for real people, someone on TV or YouTube, for example, might be talking to you, but it's through a camera right? They're not actually having a conversation with you, even though sometimes it feels like it. That's the general idea behind parasocial interaction. So that helps explain why we can feel like a real person we've never met are friends with us, but why is it possible for this to happen with fictional characters? Take a look at the fifth slide for this week. There's a list of three things there. Researchers seem to think that many of the criteria that we use for evaluating media characters, or personae, are the same criteria that we use for real people in real social interactions. So here are three of those things. First is attraction, and this can be both physical and social. So physical, you know, maybe you follow someone on Instagram that is based on their looks, that's why you follow them. Or social, maybe the media figure seems like they'd be your friend. They seem like one of the guys. The second criterion is perceived similarity with one's own attitudes, appearance, and background. Think about with your real-life friends. You may have first bonded over humor, or music, or something to that effect. The same could happen through media, too, with media persona. The last are other attributes like confidence, strength of character, or passion. I know for me, um, one thing that I appreciate about someone that I feel a parasocial connection to would be binging with Babish. Remember, he's the one that made that garbage plate in that video that I showed you on YouTube. I find that his level of devotion and professionalism that he incorporates in his videos, um, I find that very relatable. And he's from the same city as me, Rochester, New York, so I have that added perceived connection. And then on a completely different level of why parasocial interaction might be a thing, some researchers suggest that parasocial interaction is a thing because of evolution. So we might develop these relationships because of a human instinct to form attachments with others, no matter how great the distance. There's a power in numbers, staying in a group is safer, things like that. Basically, we need relationships to survive, and now we can feel that from media characters. Or just think about your life during this quarantine. 
I know personally, my family and friends have been Zooming and FaceTiming significantly more, even though we'd be apart right now anyway. Maybe that basic human instinct is kicking in for people now because they're feeling more unsafe. That's just another way to consider thinking about parasocial interaction. So, the TED Talk that's also available on Moodle, as well as the article you read, both talk about more positive things that can come from parasocial relationships. But listen and watch to these two clips from South Park and think about the implications. Think about the two questions on slide six. What if a real relationship is based on a parasocial relationship? And is that real or parasocial? Butters, Butters, come here for a sec. Oh, no, you don't, Wendy. You're not trapping me inside the computer lab to beat me up. Butters, would you please let me show you something so we can put this behind us? All right, but if you try to punch me, I'll scream. I want you to see just how easy this is so we can better understand each other. This is Lisa Berger's class photo, right? Okay. Now, first thing we do is just Photoshop the bulges on her sides. We select the eyes, make them a nicer shape, take off any blemishes on the skin, lengthen the neck, add more to the hair, select the lips, make them fuller, take out any puffiness on the skin here, add fullness to the breast, lengthen the torso, take away that fold of skin, streamline the shoulders, put highlights in the eyes, and there. That's Lisa Berger! Do you see what I'm talking about? She's pretty! That's how people like Kim Kardashian destroy the self-image of little girls everywhere! Hold up! Are you saying that girl wants to go out with me? What? What do you mean? And I said no? Oh man, I gotta upload this, and then go buy her some flowers, and then go tell her I love her! Butters! Lisa? Lisa Burger? Anybody seen Lisa Burger? Oh, hey Eric, have you seen Lisa Burger anywhere? I saw that picture of her you put on the internet. I know! I'm gonna tell her I love her, and we're gonna be together and be happy forever! Uh, Butters, I don't know how to tell you this, but... Lisa Berger is going out with Clyde. What? Well, since when? Dude, since like noon or 12.30 today. Hey, Token. Token. Check out my girlfriend. Wow, she's hot. Yeah, we just started dating, seriously. You want to meet my new girlfriend, Tweak? Oh, man, you're a lucky guy. Yeah, I know. Hey, Clyde. Nice score, dude. Yeah! Ha, yeah. oh, thanks, guys. Hey, Stan, did you see Clyde's going out with Lisa B Burger? Yeah, dude, she looks amazing. Clyde sent me her pics. She got really hot all of a sudden. Yeah, I wouldn't mind t-tapping that ass. Excuse me? Oh, hey, Wendy, Clyde sent me these. Don't be gel. Why would I be gel? Well, y you gotta admit, Lisa Burger's pretty hot, Wendy. She's not hot! That's supposed to be the point! She looks pretty hot here. Lisa Burger is not hot! She's fat and ugly! That's not very nice, Wendy. What's your problem, Wendy? I'm sorry. It's nothing personal, Lisa. You're just a hater. Why don't you mind your own business instead of being jelly? I am not jelly! I made that picture of you to prove a point, and it's being taken the wrong way! It's okay, babe. Girls that don't have what you have are always gonna put you down. Thanks, babe. Now, after watching that, can you think of any friendships or relationships that you personally have been in that might be or were affected by the more mediated version of that same relationship online. So which is it, a real relationship or a parasocial relationship? If part of it is based on you evaluating someone that's not completely real or mediated, I personally don't know. 
and I'd be really curious what Horton and Wall, those two original scholars, what they would say about that. Anyway, that's really all I have for you today. Um, and the questions on slides six and seven, these are all just questions to think about. I tried searching for any studies on Tinder or Bumble or, or really any other dating apps along with parasocial interaction or relationships, and there weren't any. So we don't really have any answers on this front, but something tells me that we will soon. Not to mention, I'd imagine that there has to be some connection between this and catfishing someone, right? So I'll leave you with this, and it's a quote that I had on a reading response from last semester. The student said that because online communication might make people feel closer to media figures, you know, where you can potentially directly communicate with them, and feel more comfortable disclosing personal feelings or anecdotes, that it stands to reason, then, that social networks like Facebook and Twitter would make an even more substantial contribution to the maintenance of parasocial relationships. Meaning, social media helps strengthen parasocial interaction. So what are your thoughts on this? And what are your answers to my questions here? Any examples you'd be willing to share? Ever been catfished? Thanks, and see you next time. Cause I saw Tiger